Hey, this is Kyle Eidelman from Southeast Christian Church, and I'm going to thank you for listening to the message today. As we open up the scriptures together, I pray that this message inspires you, challenges you, and is the right word at just the right time in your life. Enjoy the message. Bryson is our Indiana campus pastor. Uh, he is the husband to Holly and the father to one little girl named Madison, and he's got another on the way. Would you please welcome Bryson? Good morning. Good morning, church family. Church family, we have made it. It's the most wonderful time of the year. How are we feeling? Good? Yeah, let's go. I am so excited. We are in full swing with Christmas at the cookhouse. There is Christmas cookie baking. Christmas music is blasting in every room. It's so adorable. My wife and I will be working in the kitchen and our two-year-old daughter Madison will come running around the corner like screaming jingle bells at the top of her lungs. It's awesome. And my wife and I, have this fun tradition where uh, we like to build out our Christmas movie kind of binge watch list schedule for the month of December. And typically what this looks like is I make my list of favorite Christmas movies, she makes her list, we exchange them and then map things out from there. Recently, I handed my wife my list and I immediately got a dirty look shot back at me. And so I need to settle this once and for all across all campuses. Die Hard Christmas movie? Let's go. Love you guys. <laughs> Here's the deal. There's something about this season that just stirs up this emotion within us, this feeling that I think is captured so well through a good Christmas story. Uh, angels get their wings. Elves find their dads. Hearts grow three sizes that day and everybody gets their presents back, right? Uh, we see this on TV commercials too. It's the soldier that comes home to surprise their family. It's the Christmas dinner table surrounded by laughter and light and absolutely no drama, right? Like we as a culture long for this, this feeling we are captivated, all of us as a society, by this season, because I believe this, regardless of worldview, regardless of beliefs, all of us perceive that around this time of the year, in the air, is just this feeling of hope. Hope. Hope that what isn't now reality could one day be. Maybe for some of us, it's, it's hope for that gift that we've really wanted, that it's gonna be under the tree Christmas morning. Uh, maybe it's hope that that friend or that family member that we haven't seen in so long, they're gonna be at the Christmas party and we'll be able to, to re-engage and catch up. Uh, maybe it's this, because we see this in all the movies, right? That when the clock strikes midnight on Christmas Eve, all of our problems disappear, right? And then when we need the reset, we got a week later with New Year's Eve. We are just so drawn to this feeling of hope. And so we seek to consume it through movies and plays and songs and gifts. But here's the deal. I know for so many of us, it's not just the fact that we are drawn towards hope. We're flat out desperate for it. Hope that it doesn't always feel this way. Hope that things will get better. Hope that that relationship can be restored. Hope that I don't lose someone again. Hope that I can just make it forward from this moment. This isn't a new tension. 
It's a tension that we as humanity have always felt. From the moment that sin entered the pages of human history and plunged God's good world into pain and brokenness and death, we as humanity have been desperate for hope. We've been desperate for some ultimate transformative act that would right all wrongs and bring about healing and restored life with God. And quite beautifully, over the pages of the Bible that we call the Old Testament, we see over and over and over again through the mouths of God's prophets and his poets and his teachers, these promises that that day of hope is coming. And ultimately, these images are fleshed out more and more, and what we see is hope is embodied in a king, the Messiah. And so in this Christmas season, we're kicking off a new series called A Light Has Dawned. And we are celebrating this Advent season where we remember back to Jesus's first coming at that first Christmas and we eagerly and expectantly look forward to his second coming. And we're just gonna fix our eyes on him, the one who has come, our king, our savior, through whom all things have changed. We're gonna do this by studying the words of one of God's prophets, a man by the name of Isaiah. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Isaiah chapter nine. Isaiah chapter nine. To give you a little context, Isaiah was a Jewish prophet who lived 700 years before Jesus was born. And probably more so than any of other of God's prophets, he just lays out prophecy after prophecy about Jesus's life and his ministry, these things we call messianic prophecies. There's over 300 of these that span the entire length of the Old Testament. And in Isaiah's day, they were fresh water in a parched land because God's people were in a desperate position. Many within the nation had rejected God through idolatry and wanting to pursue the good life apart from him. You also had the nation of Assyria, the most violent, inhumane, oppressive empire of the time, who was on the move, attacking lands, expanding territory, and Israel is directly in their sights. And so at any moment, this violent onslaught is going to come upon the people. And so with this very real external threat at their door and the internal instability around rejection to God, you could imagine the sense of anxiety in the air. You could imagine for those who were remaining faithful to God, who were seeking his face, they were probably wrestling with the questions, God, have you abandoned us? Do you care about us still? And it's into the very heart of this tension that God's words through Isaiah flows. Let's start in verse one. Nevertheless, I love that word. No matter what has happened up to this point, no matter how bleak things are, here comes God on the move. There will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he, God, humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Let's unpack this a little bit. Zebulun and Naphtali, I know for some of us, when we start hearing these big names of places and genealogies in the Bible, our eyes can tend to glaze over a little bit, but this is so beautiful from Isaiah here. We got a map up here of Israel 
in Isaiah's day. And Israel was such a unique plot of land because in many ways, geographically, it was protected from invasion. You had the Mediterranean Sea there on the west coast. You had mountains that run down the eastern side of the country. Uh, you have the, in the south, the, the desert wilderness, the wastelands that the Israelites had to wander through on their way out of Egypt up to the promised land. So in many ways, you're kind of protected on multiple sides, except almost every time that Israel was invaded in a major way, Assyria, Babylon, it was almost always through the fertile lands of the north. And, and who were the sitting ducks up there? Who were, who were the ones who were always the first to receive the brunt of the violence and the oppression and conquest? It was the people of Zebulun and Naphtali. In fact, eventually these lands were seen through the rest of the eyes of Israel as, as cursed. Like there's no way that God's presence and favor is up there. These were the people most wounded, the most left for dead, the ones who felt like I'm overlooked, I'm forgotten, I have no worth or purpose. Is that a familiar feeling for some of us? I know this time of the year, some of those emotions and thoughts and feelings can be heightened. And especially if it's been a longer period of, of pain or of waiting, it is so easy and so tempting to assume that God has given up on you or that he is just idly sitting back. But I, I beg you, please do not assume perceived silence as God's apathy. We know, ultimately, that we cannot see all things from God's perspective. But we also know through scripture that he holds all things together and that he moves in just the right way at just the right time as Paul writes in Romans five. And so what does God do here? He doesn't go to the capital city of Jerusalem, which would have made a lot of sense for the people in that day. No, he, he plunges right into the very darkest area in the lives of his people in order to initiate and begin to carry out his greatest work of healing and love. And Isaiah expresses this reality through the image of light. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. There's something powerful about light in that it can serve so many different purposes. Take this flashlight, for example. If I'm outside and I flip this light on, this is great. It's gonna provide me comfort, right? It's gonna show me the path to walk so I don't trip and injure myself. For Madison, it scares away all the scary animals at night. But in another sense, light can be challenging. It can work to reveal what was previously hidden. Some of us have experienced going to the dentist and here comes the flashlight and all of a sudden we have a hefty bill because there's cavities in there that we didn't know about, right? The same sense is true for God's light, the light of his presence with us. On one hand, his light brings so much comfort. I know this is true in, in so many pockets across all of our campuses, but it's been a really hard year for us at the Indiana campus. It's been numerous cancer diagnoses, multiple funerals, marriages in some really painful, difficult spots, and yet God's light has shown so powerfully in the darkness. I've sat in the hospital room 
of a wife and a mother as she drifts away. But drowning out the beeps of the ventilator are the hymns of her family rising up to Jesus. I've sat in our worship center for a celebration of life service for a, a father and a husband who, is, who was ripped away from his wife and five kids. And there's pain, but rising up above that pain are, are these words. There was a moment when the sky lit up, a flash of light breaking through. When all was lost, he crossed eternity. The king of life was on the move. We worship and we have hope because we know darkness does not have the final word. It will never overcome the light, no matter how hard it tries. And in each of these cases and in so many more, we have seen God's light shine powerfully into the darkest of places through small groups and, and children's and student volunteers and, and mentors coming around these families, meals delivered, deep conversations, counseling and prayer, God's light shining and revealing a path forward where maybe one wasn't clear before his light shone in powerfully through his word and his people and the work of the Holy Spirit to mend hearts. God's light brings comfort. In another sense though, his light challenges, and it reveals our need for rescue. Uh, parents in the room, do you remember the newborn phase? It's that time when all you could pray is, Lord, please have mercy on my soul, right? There's no more sleep. Uh, there's lots of crying, more so by you sometimes than the baby. I'm not proud of this, but early on in that first year with Madison, in those stretches where it's like sleep is non-existent, there would be these times where she'd been, begin to cry out and I would hear, babe, can you go get a bottle? And I'm laying there like, please think I'm asleep. Please think I'm asleep, right? <laughs> and eventually, out of the, the kindness of my sacrificial heart, not at all because of the foot in my back, I would get out of bed and head to the kitchen, but I didn't wanna wake fully up, and so I would have this strategy, right? I would kinda keep all the lights off and squint my eyes and kinda make my way out to the kitchen, find a bottle, head back, either me or Holly, feed Madison, and then hopefully be able to fall right back to sleep. And for a while, we're great until every so often Madison's cries were drowned out by the screams of a pinky toe that had just been murdered by a coffee table. And here's the deal. Unlike me, for some of us, we've gotten pretty good at walking around in the darkness. Maybe it's the apathy. Life has always been this way. Do I really believe it's ever gonna change? Maybe it's the pride or fear. Right, I have a persona to maintain, and so if anybody were to see vulnerability or weakness, I, I, I can't let that happen. Maybe it's this, maybe it's love of the darkness. Some of us are holding on to these secrets. It's fun, and it feels good, and it makes us happy. And we have no intention of changing until we run into the furniture. The internet history gets discovered. You can't put on the brave face any longer. The relationship is broken. The satisfaction inevitably runs out. 
and, and you look at yourself and you're, you're sick of who you've become and what you've sacrificed in the process. And so the lights flick on. And at first it's so disorienting and it's uncomfortable and embarrassing and you expect just complete outright shame and rejection like this big old fat, I told you so. But instead, in the end, what you find is the light comes in and it chases away the lies and it chases away the pain and you are left face to face with the one who desires for you abundant eternal life with him forever. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Comfort for many, challenge for others, but, but check this out. The same end resulting picture for all who allow the light to shine on their lives. Verse three, you have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. Anybody have a favorite sports team who's won a championship at some point in their lifetime? Yeah, yeah. You know this image. Like this is when the cameras pan to the locker room and the champagne spraying everywhere and players are taking selfies with the trophy, right? Like this is jubilant celebration, bountiful victory. For as in the days of Midian's defeat, you, God, have shattered the yoke that burdens them the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressors, every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood, every article of war, every diagnosis, every pink slip, every late night call with devastating news, every addiction that has held you completely captive, every ounce of anything in this world that devalues and divides will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire, cast out forever by the power of the cross and the resurrection and God's grace. That's a good, good news right there. And just in case, People in Isaiah's day would have been asking, well, God, Isaiah, how do we know that God's actually gonna do this? How do we know this is gonna come about? Oh, you know, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. You know, that word zeal, that word used in Song of Songs to describe the passion and the love a husband and wife have for each other. Zeal, that word used elsewhere in Isaiah to describe this warrior that is just psyched up for battle and ready to go in and crush his enemy. Zeal, that, that word that could be translated jealousy. It's the image of a God who does not sit passively back. He busts down the doors and plunged headlong into the very heart of his creation for his glory and his love for you in order to redeem what is lost and set free what is captive because of the passion for his glory over the darkness and his love for his lost and his broken creation. His zeal will see it through. That's great news, Isaiah. That's awesome. So what's the light? Is it one of these kings around us? Is it like a program or an ideology? Like what is our hope? What is God going to do to make all things right? For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. Isaiah, you sure about that, baby boy? You sure there wasn't just like static on the other end? You thought God said that? No, for to us a child is born, to us 
a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace. There will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. God's answer, God's answer to everything that has ever held you down or discouraged you or separated you from him is a person to be known and loved, Jesus. He's not just any child. He has all authority and rule and dominion. He has no term limit. There's no skeletons in his closet. He is unmatched by any ruler this world has ever known or will ever know. He is God's light of the world and the hope of all mankind. My wife and I, in less than a month, as Kyle said, are gonna be welcoming home our second little baby to the home, another little girl, so I'm girl dad times two. Uh, thanks, guys, appreciate it, thanks. Uh, we're naming her Lucy. We've already heard all the I love Lucy jokes, but please keep them coming, we love those. Uh, but I was reminded how much fun it is to, to pick out baby names, right? To go through the lists and, and look at name meanings. And it was also fun to like throw the really interesting ones at my wife and, and see her response. Kind of like this, uh, Portabella, uh, Darth, where's my Star Wars nerds at? Represent, yeah. Uh, Shelly with a money sign, Robocop. Man, they just gave up on that one. A, B, C, D, E. Now get a load of this child's name. It's literally an entire sentence in the original language. A wonderful counselor is the mighty God. The everlasting father is a prince of peace. He will be called wonderful counselor. This baby boy is the ultimate teacher the very embodiment of wisdom whose teachings and way of life align you with the very heart of God and his will for your life. And so let me ask you this, is there hope for you in this name? Do you not know what to do? Is your way of life not working anymore? Do you find that the way you're living is directly at odds with his word? Jesus is your wonderful counselor, listen to him, and you will walk the path of perfect wisdom in life. Mighty God, the same description that's used in just a few short chapters to describe Yahweh, the God of Israel. This isn't just any child, this is God become human, divinity become humanity. And this mighty warrior language is the image of this child coming to crush his enemy under his feet. Are you scared? Do you feel like you'll be trapped in this way of life forever? Do you just feel beat up by this world? Jesus is your mighty God. Trust him and step forward with him into his victory. Everlasting Father, I know for some of us that have grown up in the church, when we get to this name, our heresy alarms can kind of go off in our head because we think that Isaiah is saying the divine son is the father, and obviously that does not align with the biblical doctrine of the Trinity, but that's not at all what's being communicated here. 
Really, there's two different ways to interpret this. In one sense, in the Jewish context, the language of father was synonymous with originator or beginner. So this, this child is the originator of eternity for those in him. I think what's also captured, though, is just his complete tenderness. This is the child who would one day grow to be the one to stoop down into the dirt and to look at a woman in the eyes who had been battling a disease for 12 years that had ostracized her from her family and everyone she loved. And he looks her in the eyes and he calls her daughter. Are you lonely? Do you feel abandoned? Do you feel like you don't have any genuine relationships in this life where you feel loved and valued? Is your family a little chaotic? Jesus is your everlasting father. Embrace him. He is the perfect family member who will always be there and never fail you. Prince of Peace. Whereas the other royal authority figures of his day brought peace in air quotes through violence and the sword and oppression in dictatorship, this child would offer genuine peace in the way the Bible describes it, wholeness of our entirety, heart, soul, mind, and strength, and ultimately peace between us and our heavenly father because of this child's blood on the cross was shed for us. Are you tired? Does life feel completely out of control? Is the anxiety too great? Are you ready to give up? Jesus is your Prince of Peace. Rest in him who has overcome the world. It's been a hard year for me, guys, just being honest with you all. I know I've, I've shared on this stage before that when I was 11 years old, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease that affects my digestive system. And so I've walked with it for 17 years and this has just been a year of a lot of physical pain with symptoms. And on top of that, just the stresses of being a young leader and a father and a husband. And there's just been moments over this year where the, the physical pain and the discouragement has just beat me up. I've had some really honest conversations with people and was encouraged to start counseling. And so I've started seeing a Christian counselor and it's been beautiful and so life-giving for me. In so many ways, I have powerfully clung to and experienced the fourfold name of Jesus over the course of this year. He is the one who will always guide me. He is the one who has power and victory over my disease and I know one day I will be healed whether in this life or in eternity to come. He is the one who is always for me and will never leave me. He is the one who can replace the anxiety and the fear and the discouragement in my mind with comfort and peace and trust for the moment. And so I just wanna ask you, I just want to ask you, which of these names do you need to cling to this Christmas season? 
Maybe for you, it's all four of them, like me. (laughs) And I don't know what this looks like. Maybe this looks like putting up one of these names or all these names on your bathroom mirror or a post-it note in your car or writing them in your Bible. But I just wanna challenge you that as you cling to these names of Jesus, I want you to ask yourself a simple question. Am I done living in the dark? Am I done living in the dark? Because the good news is there is hope for you in light of Jesus. Are you done with allowing the darkness to consume you? The darkness of your addiction, your depression, your loneliness, your marriage problems, your unrepentant sin, your grief, your abuse. If that's you at any of our campuses or online, will you connect with someone today? Will you be honest about the darkness that is surrounding you? If you, for the very first time, need to step out of the ultimate darkness, being hopelessly lost in your sin and your rebellion against God without the blood of Jesus covering you, if you need to step forward for the very first time and say, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, my Lord and my Savior, Will you reach out and connect with someone today before you leave at any of our campuses or online? It doesn't matter what darkness you find yourself in. There is hope and there is light. And we as a church want to walk with you as you walk with Jesus into that freedom. I don't think it's a coincidence by any means that the early church chose one of the the darkest, coldest times of the year to be the moment that we celebrate Advent. This time when we remember Jesus' first coming on that first Christmas and we expectantly hope for and look for that second coming. I don't think it's a coincidence. Because encapsulated in our candles and our tree lights is this, the reminder that out of the long, cold waiting came the ultimate light that has dawned upon human history. And his name is Jesus. He left heaven and he came to earth and he lived the perfect sinless life that you and I couldn't live. And he died a death on the cross that he didn't deserve where he took upon himself the penalty of our sin and our shame and our rebellion and our brokenness and he died. But on the third day, he walked out of his own grave and he sits enthroned over it all. And because of that, we have hope, church family. We have hope. We have hope that life doesn't always have to be this way. We have hope that transformation is possible. We hope that redemption, and we have hope that redemption and and reconciliation can be experienced healing and freedom can come. This light is for you. It's for you right here, right now. Jesus wants that clarity. He wants the peace. He wants the comfort for you. He wants the knowing your purpose. He wants the being fully seen and known and loved, the hope that is found in him. It is for you today. It doesn't matter What has happened up to this moment, all that matters is from this moment forward, am I done living in the dark? Because if so, there is hope for you.
in light of Jesus. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you. We thank you that you are the light of the world, the hope of all mankind. I know, Jesus, that in so many hearts and minds in this room, online, across all of our campuses, they're struggling with pain. There's a struggling with discouragement. The darkness seems so great. But we know that you have flooded this world with light and the light has overcome the darkness. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you are our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting father, our prince of peace. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. It's in his precious and holy name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If today's message made you realize you need to take your next step with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us on any of our social media platforms throughout the week or visit our website at southeastchristian.org. And if you want to hear more content like this, you can check out our sermons podcast or our one at a time podcast. Both can be found everywhere. Podcasts are available. Have a great week.